Yes? Oh, there I am. Good morning. <clears throat> Yay. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. Would you come right in the midst of us? <laughs> Would you knock us over with your presence? God, I just pray for your tangible presence in this place. Where some of us have gone to sleep, I pray that you would wake us up. Where some of us have gone numb, I pray that you would restore alertness. Where some of us, the gospel seems too good to be true, God, would you hit our hearts in such a way that it becomes the only truth? Come, Lord Jesus. I need you. In Jesus' name. So as we're singing, oh, come let us adore him. I'm, I'm going to be honest, and, and some of you may look at me and go, oh, that's not good. I don't love Christmas music. I don't. I, and, and I know that sounds really bad, but I don't love Christmas music. When it comes on, I'm thinking, can we please, I mean, I'd rather listen to country. And for those of you that love country, I'm sorry. But as oh, come let us adore him um, comes on, in fact, at Christmas time, I'm like, are we just going to be singing Christmas music at church? Lord Jesus, take the wheel. But, oh, come let us adore him as that's playing and as, as they're singing over and over and over and over again, something dawned on me. There comes a time that we can sing that, but there comes also a time that we can live that. And there's a difference. Because I can come on a Sunday morning and I can join with the rest of you and I can sing, oh, come let us adore him, oh, come let us adore him. But the reality is, is that my life should walk that out. My life lives should be an adoration to the king. And so I'm going to invite you. I'm going to challenge you a little bit this morning. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay for, for Holy Spirit to kind of work in us and move in us and, and to shift some of our thinking. Because we're in a day and an age in 2020 where we think about this last year and we have more to say about politics and we have more to say about the coronavirus and we have more to say about the pain that we've been through and, and what's happening is we're lifting all these other names above the name above every other name. And I believe as we come um, into this place of this week, as we are welcoming a king, we're talking about making room. So I'm not making light of the pain that's happened this year. Don't misunderstand that. I'm just saying it's not as important or more important than our king. And it's time to come back to our first love. And what better time to talk about that than as we come into this week of welcoming a king. So a couple weeks ago, John and I are sitting at dinner, and he says, hey, do you want to talk in a couple of weeks? We're talking about making room. And I said, sure. Uh, what do you want me to talk about? He said, you're going to talk about no room in the inn. And I said, okay. And uh, the weeks kind of went by, and I started looking into no room in the inn. And I went through all the gospel accounts, and the only place it was to be found was in Luke. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And I thought, one line? You give me one line? I have to teach on one line? You either must trust the Holy Spirit in me or we're in trouble. And so I sat for two weeks. There was no room in the inn. 
There was no room in the inn. There was no room in the inn. Jesus, help me. There was no room in the inn. And for two weeks, the Lord let me sweat it. He let me sit in it. And I'm like, you got to tell me something. And I would go to John and I would say, do you realize you gave me one line? He's like, babe, you got this. I go, you had Mary and Joseph. You gave me no room in the inn. What are you doing? And as I sat there, uh, finally, about uh, a week ago, I said, what does it mean that there was no room? And the Lord said, Christy, what, what actually, if you look at what's happening, what they're saying no to is not Mary and Joseph. They're saying no to Jesus. And I sat in that for a long minute. And I thought, not much has changed, has it? Because Jesus comes. And what I love about Jesus is even though everybody said, no, no room, no thank you, no thank you, Jesus is crazy amazing because he comes anyway. How many of us go, oh, well, they said no, forget it. Nope, you're done. We're done. That's, That's us. Everybody says, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. And in humility, this king comes and says, I'm coming anyway, because the day that you see the kind of king I am, you'll make all the room possible. I'm telling you, if you have not locked eyes and made room for this king, your life will not walk out what you're called to. It won't. So Isaiah 50, who is this king? Who is this king? And there's times that... um. It's so easy, especially if you've grown up in church, which I have, it's so easy to get used to these words. And what happens is we get numb to them and we get desensitized. And so we hear them and they fall flat on us. And I'm going to urge you this morning to stare at them long enough and to beg God to help you fall in love with him. Because this is our life. Do you have that? Yeah. So this king... I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from the mocking and the spitting. So this king comes, and he is a king like no other king. And I'm telling you, in all the years of being in church, in all the years of just getting up and reading my Bible, I never knew that king until I got alone in a room and I got on my knees and I said, I need to know you. I don't want to know about you because the truth is guys, is that we all have this amazing privilege and opportunity to go before the father. And not many of us take that opportunity. Like Jesus broke down every barrier Every barrier, there's nothing that stops you from going to be with the Lord. Nothing. And we continue to say things like, please let me say this first and foremost. This, is, this should be a pep rally for us. There's no condemnation here. This is a pep rally. This is what church is. We're called to go, hey, remember why you're here. Remember why you're here. Don't go to sleep in this hour. Don't, don't, don't go numb in this hour. Don't let this year cause your heart to shut off so that this isn't the good news anymore. This is the good news. This is the only news. This is the only news. And so often... So many of us, well, I don't have time. Well, I have five kids. Well, I have this. Well, I have that. And we're so full of excuses. 
We're so full of excuses. But we can come on Sunday and we can let this be our relationship. I'm telling you, sitting with my husband on Sunday mornings, I'll never know him unless I go home and spend time with him. It doesn't happen that way. And so often we look at it as a chore. We look at it as, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to open my Bible, and I'm going to read uh, Second Chronicles. Nobody reads there, but that's where I opened. Second Chronicles 18, check. And that's what we do. And I believe we do that because we haven't fallen in love. And let me say this. I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about me and say a lot of things. I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm saying some people think that Jesus is for some. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. I've made room. I've made room for the king. I've made room in my bedroom for years, which was not great at the beginning. I fell in love with Jesus four years ago, really fell in love with him, like, oh my gosh, you're real. And I would lock myself in the bedroom for hours. And I had to learn how to figure out how to do family in Jesus because I was head over heels. Head over heels. Like nothing had ever come close to that kind of love. Nothing. Song of Solomon talks about this love that we think is between a bride and a groom. And I'm going to encourage you to go and read that because that is between us and Jesus, there is a love that is, gets to be ensued where I have a twinkle in my eye at this Jesus. And that's only come because I've made room. Sometimes we can't get past ourselves when we go in there. Sometimes we can't get past our own insecurities and our own self-awareness. The only way to get past us is to forget us. The only way to get past us is to forget us. And I realized that my life was in so much trauma and turmoil that if he was real, I needed to know that because I needed help. And so I made room time and time and time and time and time again. And it created this thing in me where the more I went in, I tasted and I saw that he was good. And so I made more room. And I would go in and taste and see that he's good again. And I would make more room. And I would make more room. And I would make more room. Because you see, the gospel is this. When I come into this thing, it's a life for a life. I don't say a prayer one time that gets me to heaven and then just go about my day. He becomes my life. Guys, hear me say this. He becomes my life. He's in my waking, in my sleeping, in my coming, in my going. He becomes my life. Like, it's time to wake up, church. It's time to wake up. It's time to quit letting things matter more that doesn't matter most. I know we've all been through so much this year. I know that. So please don't harden your heart and close your ears to say she doesn't understand. I promise I understand. 
I promise that our family has walked through really hard things this year. We're walking through hard things now. I'm walking through hard things now. His name is above every name that tries to exalt itself above that name. So I'm here to tell you that even in physical loss, even in death, his name is still higher. Even in anxiety, his name is still higher. Even in pain, his name is still higher. Please, please, when we walk into a room and we have more to say about our problems and our troubles than about this great king, it proves we don't understand, myself included. And I'm reminded this week that yet again, I have to make room. I have to get on my knees and I have to make room. I was driving to work a couple of uh, months ago and there was a full moon and you know, I'm remote so those kids are on mute and that's great. But when you see a full moon as a teacher, you're like, okay, buckle up. But I see this full moon and I'm driving and I feel like the Lord said, look, there you are. And I said, what do you mean by that? There I am. He said, do you see that moon? And I said, yeah. And he said, does it produce its own light? I said, no. He said, where does the light come from? And I said, the sun. And he said, as it is with you. You're not called to produce your own light. Some of us are a waxing gibbon, some of us a waning gibbon. Some of us, we only allow a certain amount of light. We're called to look like the full moon every day because we live lives so surrendered that it's all of him and we're just reflecting his light. That cannot and will not happen unless you've made room. Unless you've made room. I hope you hear me. Please make room. You have, this is going to sound harsh, I don't mean it harsh. You have as much of him as you want. Where you're at right now, you have as much of God as you want. You do. You say, well, I have this. Well, you have as much as you want. Because only you are going to tell yourself, get in there, go make room. I hope you wake up in the middle of the night and you hear my voice going, go make room. Go make room. Go make room. We cannot live this out without him, all of him. We can't. We live in a culture where we can buy it, fix it, make it, and we're self-sufficient. And we think we're doing okay. But the last time I checked, the world is not being changed, much less your life or your home. We're not okay without him. I'm not okay without him. I can't do one thing without him. Jesus said I could do nothing apart from the Father. What makes us think we can? The only way in that full surrender is to make room. Make room. Make room. There's times I go in there and I say, I have not, I need you. I have to have more of you. I have to have you. This is hard. This is hard. How do I walk this out? I need you. He is my lifeline, my plumb line. He's everything. He's everything. He's my whole life. 
I drink my coffee with him. Before I close my eyes at night, I say, man, would you just seal up the instruction of the day? Would you come and would you lay with me? And let's go to bed. When was the last time he's kissed you? Well, Christy, I'm not comfortable with that. What would you do if he walked in the room? What would you do? When was the last time you looked in his eyes? Well, Christy, I don't see him. Stay longer. When was the last time you were held by him? Well, Christy, I just... Stay longer. You can't say Jesus is number one and not make spending time with him number one. It's, it doesn't go together. If you say Jesus is number one, then it has to be your number one. Has to. And the reason we don't is because we haven't tasted and seen that he's good. I promise you, I love this man more than anything. It pales in comparison to the love that I have experienced with Jesus. He is amazing. He's amazing. He holds me. He kisses my face. We have to talk about that in the church. We have to. He is not just somebody over here. Yes, this is him. But the word became flesh. He's real. And so often, because we haven't let him be real to us, this year has just about wiped us out. And I'm asking for us as a body here in Spring Branch, Bulverde, Texas, I'm asking for us to, to wake up and to make room. That it's not over. 2020 does not get the say over your life. And I'm here to tell you there's a few days left in it. When we go to God, a lot of times we just sit and we talk about what we need and where we're at. And when do you go in just to enjoy him and adore him? That's part of making room. When you say nothing has to change, no circumstance has to change in my life, I'm just here to be with you. He's not a genie. So often we spend no time with him, but when things hit the fan, we blame him. We don't understand. When you go and you make room for him, something happens, you, you come to life. You come to life. And we talk a lot about, Lord, include me here. And where are you reaching out? Where are you doing this? I'm telling you, the more you make room for him, that will be an overflow, effortless reality. Effortless. Because what happens is when he fills you, it just comes out. And at best, people will dance in your saucer. Because you're in love. I know right now there's some of you that are trying to wrap your brain around this idea. It's not meant for here. We can't get there through here. We have a brain that's super logical and you're like, okay, I'm going to go in there and I'm going, okay, and hi, nice. It doesn't work here. It comes here. We have to become like kids. We have to become like kids that, you know, when John and I are trying to have a conversation and Maggie and Ryan bust through the door, they don't have any awareness, which is good. 
We go in so often and we think we have to get it together. And oh my gosh, can I read that name? I don't know if I can read that name. And okay, and here we are. He just wants to be with you. He just wants to be with you. And we can say that over and over and over and over again. But at the end of the day, all of us get to walk out of here and choose the value of that. All of us get to walk out and go, oh my gosh, that wasn't my relationship with the Lord. It's part of it, but that's not it. I get to leave here and I get to go and be with you anytime I want. Anytime I want. Like, I pray that's your heart. I get to be with you anytime I want. What? And anytime I come in, everything stops because you just want my attention. What? What? There is, there is this religion that has been ingrained in us that God stays there and I stay here. And I serve him and I come and I sing to him and I do this, that, and the other but your life will never be changed nor the lives around you unless you know him. And I'm telling you on my life that there is indeed a way to know him. And the only way to know him is to make room for him. It says in that Isaiah 53 that God is amazing he came and it's, that whole passage is talking about how he didn't say a word. He surrendered his hands to the nails. He didn't resist. And as I was reading that this week, the first time I read it, I had this tendency to go, that's nice. And I've gotten to this place with myself where I like to challenge myself because I'm like, what do you mean that's nice, Christy? What do you mean that's nice? What do you mean that's nice? That when they went to take his beard, he did this. What do you mean that's nice? When they went to hit him, he offered himself. When they went to take the nail, he did this. What? And then he says this remarkable thing, follow me. So I am called to surrender my hand. I am called to surrender my life. First John, there's, there's a, a passage in First John, a scripture that says that we live through him, that Jesus came so that we might live through him. Through him. How do you live through someone you don't know? Through him. What an amazing invitation. What an amazing invitation. I beg you to stare at Isaiah 50 through 53 and ask God to let it get your heart going again. To let it wake you up again. Because we all, some of us, I'm telling you, myself included, I go in that room and I'm like... It's hard for me to get there. And the Lord says, stare. Stare at it. I'm here to help you. Holy Spirit is here to help us get there. 
If you have gone numb, if you have said, I've tried making room, it doesn't work. Christy, I've tried to do this, I don't hear. Some of us have said that, and I get that. I get you go in and sit what feels like for an hour and you hear nothing. But what happens when you've sat there and heard nothing but your presence ministered to him? Is it worth it? Just because you're there and available. We go in thinking for us, I don't hear, I don't feel, I don't see. But what if you ministered to him because you just said, I'm here? Is it worth it? Because when I don't feel things, which I often don't, I sit there and I start singing. And I sit and I adore him. And I worship him. Because I realize in that moment that a relationship is two. And I'm making room to come and to lay myself before him and give my life. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. And I pretend that he's, I don't pretend because I know he's there, but so that you understand, sometimes we have to let go of our imagination to see. Like he wants control of our imagination. And I have to pretend that he's sitting right there. It's weird, yes. And I will sit and I will talk to him out loud. This morning as a worship song was playing, it was a song called Jesus, You're Beautiful. And I was listening and it was ministering to my spirit and I was saying, that's really a nice song. I say that a lot, that's nice. And the Lord said, Christy, When you just listen, you forget that you are an active participant. Use your voice. Listening to worship is nice, but it's a whole different scenario when you use your words, which is his breath in your lungs, to return your worship back to him. So as the song is playing, I went, oh yeah. Because there's things right now in our world that are coming to distract us. They're coming to put heaviness on us. They're coming so that we never step into this room to see this Jesus face to face. All of it is a distraction. And sometimes we have to push back and say, I'm going to worship anyway. I'm going to worship anyway. From Friday to today, I have made an active choice in the middle of very hard circumstances, to say, I will worship anyway. Because it's not about always you ministering to me, it's about me ministering to you with my life. He alone is worthy. Alone. He alone, not him and. He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. David's going to come up and he's going to play. This is what I'm going to charge us to do. Some of you are are sitting going, oh, I didn't know I could know him. Yay, you can. And he's amazing and beautiful. And you can have as much of him as you want. There's never not a good time for him. He doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, did you make an appointment? You can go anytime you want. There's some of you in here that life has been really hard this year, and I'm really sorry, but he's better. And his name deserves to be lifted up above every name that has tried to come and take that place in your life. And so I'm gonna ask you if that's you, for you to get to a place where you begin to make room. Making room means surrender. 
Making room just means surrender. I don't have to know God. I don't, things don't have to change right now for, for me to make room for you. I don't need you to answer that right now for me to make room for you. I don't need that to happen or that to happen and, or that to happen. I just make room. I just make room. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and inhabit those places in me that feel dusty, that feel numb, where I've gone to sleep. Come and awaken me. Help me fall in love with you. Help me fall in love with you. Help me one, Help me that when I'm in a room with crowded people that I just say, I can't wait to get to you. I, I just want to go back to the bedroom to be with you. That's available to where you're so preoccupied with Jesus, so preoccupied with Jesus that you just can't wait to get in there. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you just here, not here, here to make room for this king that came when we said no thanks. <laughs> make room. I promise it's the most brilliant, beautiful love affair you'll ever have. I promise.